You're listening to the Massive Attack Podcast episode. Yes. Help me out, Charo. This is the episode now. Oh, fuck. Episode 10. Stick there, do it again. But I was on. You're listening to the Massive Attack Podcast. But Posca. Let's just start fucking up. You just don't stop. You're listening to the Massive Attack Podcast, episode 10. And welcome, Joe. Hi, Mitch. How are you going? I'm good. I'm good now. Let's get through this really quick. Yes, this You'll is going to be a shorter episode than normal, and we'll explain that a little bit closer to the end. As usual, we've been pretty busy since last month. Pretty we busy. We had another excursion. We went and saw a friend of ours, Ben McKenzie, who's a local Melbourne comedian. Him and Richard McKenzie, they run a show called Dungeon Crawl, which is it's essentially improv comedy meets Dungeons and Dragons. Yes, it's oh. improv comedy based on the Dungeons and Dragons rulebook, isn't it? Essentially, but most of the time they're, you know, fantasy role-playing games yep. and with comedians playing the roles. But this one was a computer game based or themed night so when you have improv comedy based around video games it's a pretty high selling point i think it's a high selling point to a certain very special demographic of of punters unfortunately yes it was a selling point for us like you've been to previous dungeon i went to a comic themed one and a star wars themed one so none of the actual normal ones but yeah but yeah you're right It, it did attract a strange group of clientele I tell they sound like marks. Strippers or something, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the concept was they had the host and the NPC character, so Ben McKenzie being the dungeon master. He or, drove the plot along, yeah. and Richard McKenzie plays every other character they need to yes. drive the story along. Like, yeah. he'll come out if they need to talk to somebody, he would play any of those characters. Multiple characters. And they had four guest stars. Dave Callan, who's probably the most comedian, famous comedian. radio personality, yes. also turns up on Good Game every now and then when they want to have a funny review of a dancing game or all that sort of stuff. Yes, Paul Verhoeven, who's a Triple J DJ. Yes, Triple J DJ. And Mr. Tech Guy. Resident nerd for Triple J. Does little filler spots on the breakfast show where he talks about nerdy stuff. And Lena. Grass is Lena on Twitter. Grass is Lena on Twitter, who's a game writer. And Andy McClellan, who's a Melbourne comedian as well. So. And you could tell that he had done improv before. He had the right sort of feel to it. And sort of played with everyone else and gave them the room to move and gave them somewhere to go. I was surprised to hear that Paul Verhoeven had never done Impro before because he said on Twitter the next day. And Paul was clearly the the highlight of the show. Yeah, you you knew him from Triple J. I'd never heard of him before. I thought he was fantastic. No, he was very funny. Yeah, so basically they improved a little story as if they were playing a video game. And it was fun. I like Impro. I I appreciate it. I think performers who can do it well are very clever. And you watch Whose Line Is It Anyway, which is a great... 22-minute TV show. They record an hour and a half worth and pull the best 22 out. So it's the best of the best doing and it's the best of their work. So... One thing I don't like about Impro is when they throw to the audience. And the problem with an audience is they're an audience. There's a reason they're, you know, not on stage and they're watching is because they're not good. No. The people on stage are the ones who are good. So don't go to them for advice because generally it's shit. And if you want a suggestion, it's generally a really bad joke or pun or stupid saying or something. And yeah, you get the wankers in the audience that just want to sound better than everyone else by yelling something out. And they're dicks. And unfortunately, that's Impro. Yeah. When you make it geek Impro, Pro, you get a very special Double kind dicks. of wanker. Uh, yes. Yeah, so that's the only unfortunate thing. But I mean, I'm not going to take away from that. They had a good night out. We had a good night out. We did. It was Except fun. for them. I didn't want to punch them in the cock, but that's just me. Maybe I'm a little negative. But it's probably good that we mention it now because their next show is coming up on the 3rd of October as part of the Fringe Festival. 
And it's free, isn't and it? And it's a free night. No, normally they do it earlier in the night, but this one is going to be a 10pm show, I think it was, on the 3rd of October as part of the Fringe Festival. And it's held at the Bella Union at Trades Hall in Carlton. I think it's the first Wednesday of the month. Yeah. If you can't make it to this one, I think it's... Yeah, the, normally yeah. it's... Is it 10 or $15 we pay? 15, it's 15. I think. But yeah, this is a free one, so if the idea... Appeals? Appeals, yeah, check it out for free. Well worth seeing. Yes. Now, other than that, you've been out and about as normal, Mitch. You've I been have. to the movies? I, I have. Yes, back to my old staple is the Aster, which I seem to be uh, mentioning every every episode. And it was sort of to try and save the Aster, actually, but good news. It's, yes, it's very been good. saved. Yes, so. they, they found a new buyer that's bought it off the evil empire of the Catholic school that owned it. and. He's planning on revamping it and putting some money in. So I think around after Christmas or something, they're going to start renovating and it's going to be ready by a festival in March or something. So well, it's going to be, have a brand new, beautiful look to it. Well, hopefully they keep with the traditional heritage of the building. Well, maybe, I hope so. maybe they can update the toilets a little bit. and Make more comfortable seats. Yeah. But So what did you go and see, Mitch? I went and saw The Avengers. It's a little film, a little art film by Joss Whedon. Came out. No, I don't know if I've heard of it. Uh, well, that's, yeah, little characters like you know, Thor, Captain America. Basically, yes, I. Um, yes, we did gush about it a few podcasts yeah, ago. I, oh, I saw it again. It was probably my last chance to catch the movies for a while, so I was like, yeah, let's let's go. And it still gets a round of applause. And people dressed up in costume. Well, it's bad good. costumes, but oh, really? they had a go. Some guy was there dressed as Loki in a suit and had the hair and a staff that glowed and everything. It's like, good on you, well done. That's good. But it was nice to see again. Yes, well, it has been released on DVD and Blu-ray now, and I know you picked up the Blu-ray. I did. And I've watched it since on DVD, so we're pretty happy that it's out there again now, so we can gush about it a little bit more. Mm -hmm. So if you haven't seen The Avengers, go and get the Blu-ray or the DVD. I'd be surprised if you haven't. Yes, but I think, I think we should probably not talk any more about The Avengers because no. we dedicated a whole episode to it. Yes, but as far as other movies go, I've, I've seen one more of the movies. My friend Dave said, oh, do you want to go see Beasts of the Southern Wild? I'm like, I had no idea what this movie was. And it's like, and I trust him. He, he knows film. He's a reviewer by trade, isn't he? Uh, it's a, one of his hats, yes. yes. He said it's got good reviews, and you've heard reviews yeah, about I'd it like... too. Yeah, so I went along not knowing a thing about it. Yeah. And, I mean, Dave's sitting there going, please don't suck, please don't suck. And it didn't. He absolutely adored it. Yeah. I was bored a lot because it was just slow. Like, the pacing of it was glacially slow. Oh, no. It wasn't glacially <laughs> slow, but... I wasn't feeling comfortable in it. Like, yeah. I don't know if I ate too quick beforehand or something, <laughs> but I wasn't comfortable. And the camera early on was moving a lot. And that normally doesn't affect me. So I'm not sure if that was it. And then there's a bit where in the film they bring out all this seafood and just lounge it on the table and the people are just eating it with their hands and just eating prawns and, and cra- busting crabs open eating. And I'm not a big fan of seafood. And it didn't, <laughs> it didn't really work well. So with the motion and the seafood and me feeling a bit queasy, I was a bit uncomfortable watching the whole film. But... It it was interesting. So what's the premise of the, the film? Well, the premise, I couldn't tell you at the start. I really wasn't sure what I was watching, but it's a straightforward movie. It's set in a what they call a bathtub. It's a fictional town in Louisiana where it's an island in the middle of, I guess, a lake. or It's got a, a break that stops yep. the water from coming in. But when they get storms, they flood. Okay. Essentially, a Katrina-like thing happens. It's a uh, out-of-the-way town, and they've got their own rules and laws. Like, nothing like Mad Max or anything, but it, it's set today. But this is the way they live. It's a sea village, and they all sort of get drunk and eat fish, and that's essentially how they do it. The houses they live in are made of what they find around. Okay. Like, it's shanty town essentially, yeah. but that's the way they live, and it works. And okay. when the storm's coming, like a Katrina, it's about a father and a daughter. It's a drummer, isn't it? Yes. 
And it's just sort of this relationship between a father and a daughter in this village and a storm similar to a Katrina sort of happens and people are evacuating. It's like, I'm not leaving and they don't want to leave. So a few people stay and basically the place is flooded. Yeah. So they're driving around in their little boats and surviving and living and then they... It's hard to describe. And there's this all this symbiology going on with ice caps melting and prehistoric fairy elephant thingies. Mammoths. Mammoth things. Mammoth. Things with them. It's hard to describe a film, but it is quite good. Dave loved it immediately. Like when he yeah. talked about it, he loved it. And I'm like, no. And like I said, I was, I was a bit bored by it in the viewing. Thinking about it afterwards, I really enjoyed what I saw, but I didn't enjoy it while I was there, if oh, that okay. makes any sense. Like yeah. if I could have condensed it down a bit quicker and the experience may have been a bit better for me but I appreciate it and I enjoyed seeing it but at the time watching it I was like huh? there so just scenes that dragged would you recommend it? to the right people yeah. you know if you're in the mood for the Avengers no and if you're going to sit around with your mates and have some beers it's probably not mm, the right sort of movie not really that. no like I mean if I'm glad I saw it at the cinema because if I was at home I would have gone straight to the iPad yeah. and been distracted distracted yeah, yeah. so it, it, yeah it's, it's interesting but the fact I thought it was it's sort of eye-opening as to what America's like. Cause it's the equivalent of watching a, like I suppose, going to an old, you know, Aboriginal town. Yeah. Like, it's like, oh my God, do people live like that? And that makes sense because the Aboriginals are still living the way they did yeah. hundreds of years ago, and that's fine. But this is a new country like America, and this is how these people are living. And obviously it's a fictional town, but it's fascinating. Yeah, I think it's, it's interesting. I think it's pushed a few buttons in America because there are areas of Louisiana that still haven't been rebuilt since Katrina, and they are, like... Just well, that's slumps. some of the issues why they didn't want to leave because yeah. if they left, they were never going to come back. Yeah. They wouldn't be allowed and all these sort of things. So it's sort of like a very tribal us against them. They just exist outside of America okay. and they, you get that sort of feeling. Yeah. And I guess it's a very much a Katrina analogy in there. Maybe it's more important to the Americans than it is to us as far as what it's saying. Yeah. But it's an, I mean, it's interesting. And the girl in it, she wouldn't even be 10, I don't think. She's amazing. She was okay. fantastic. And the main guy playing it for Hada, he was the um, baker, local baker. And they get okay. all, all these open auditions for local people to try and get a real authentic feel and he was great considering he's never really acted before okay. um, and it didn't really get a, a mainstream release here did it it was limited uh, rights Sundance and things no I mean we here saw in it, Australia it's... yeah it, it obviously once you get Sundance and you do well it sort of opens doors so it's probably playing at, like the Nova in Melbourne which is an art house cinema I saw it at the Rivoli which is a, a franchise cinema but it sort of plays more your towards your arty bent as yeah. opposed to your mainstream okay well that's you know, to, to make something a little bit different i actually had a trip to the cinema this you month. went to the movie i did yes and what did you say well it was a bit of a family affair because i went and saw the thomas movie thomas and friends blue mountain mystery with my five-year-old and my two-year-old that's, that's thomas the tank I tell thomas you. the tank yes, yes. <laughs> and if you've never been to the cinema with a two-year-old before it's quite an experience <laughs> This was his first movie, and my five-year-old, I think he's now been to three times to the cinema. But, yeah, for a nice little family outing, that was something different. But, yeah, trying to control a two-year-old in the cinema, specifically designed for children, which was good. It was like a Sunday morning kids' session, so I didn't have to worry about him running around and annoying other adults. But How long was the movie? Uh, just over an hour. Did you pay full price? It was $7 a ticket, oh, and the two-year-old got in free, which was good. Oh, that's okay. Because he didn't really use a seat. He just ran around for the whole time. And did yeah. you enjoy the film? I did. It had a lot of plot holes. <laughs> and my wife and I were sitting in the car on the way home going, well, why did that happen? And then we sort of realised that we were trying to analyse a kid's movie <laughs> rather than uh, just taking it as it was. I don't know. But, Kids are smart. Yeah. They can pick up on this. My five-year-old was sitting on my lap during the movie and you know certain characters would come on screen and I'd feel this little tap on my leg and he'd be like, 
that's Victor. So it was, it was good for the kids. I was like that during X-Men with my wife. Pyro. <laughs> <laughs> but, but other than that, I haven't had a trip to the real cinema at all, but I have watched a couple of movies at home. I bowed to a bit of pressure and finally got around to watching The Hunger Games. And? and I haven't seen it yet. Well, I was all prepared to bag it out and not like it. And then probably about 15, 20 minutes in, I actually found that I was glued to it. Well, you thought it was going to be Twilight, did you? I did think it was going to be very Twilighty, And it wasn't. It was actually quite a good movie. So it's not just Battle Royale with white people? I haven't seen Battle Royale, but it, it kind of has that same sort of feel about it. It's a bunch of kids from various regions get picked to go and fight in an arena. And there was a bit of a backstory about these you know, poor struggling kids and they got given... Woody Harrelson as their mentor to try and teach them how to fight in the arena and how to do well. It was well acted. The The people that play the kids are pretty much unknowns. Um, main character is Jennifer Lawrence, who was Mystique in X-Men First Class. Oh, yeah. And none of the other kids are name actors, I don't think. Only Mr. Miley Cyrus. Oh, he's not really in it, though. He's, he's like her boyfriend back home. That sort of cheering her on from back in her region okay. sort of thing. But as far as the adults in it, like as I said, Woody Harrelson is very good. Stanley Tucci's just he's excellent. In everything. Yeah, it's just Stanley Tucci. But it was quite confronting in some stages. Because that's what I was thinking. I mean, the, comparing it to Battle Royale, which is totally different as plot, because this is set in the future and obviously it's a spectacle. Battle Royale, the setup is you get a school group, it's a Japanese film, and a random class is chosen to go in Battle Royale because the kids are getting a little too big for their boots, essentially. They're a bit wayward, so this is a way to sort of keep them in control so a, a random school class is taken to an island they wake up they're being gassed they wake up and it's like here you are you're in battle royale grabbing a backpack and last one to survive wins well that that's kind of what happens in hunger games they get thrown into the arena and there's backpacks with like weaponry and food and stuff and they're told you know grab your backpack but the main premise is that there's been some sort of famine and there's just not much food around and they pick like teenagers from each region and the region that wins kind of gets the perks of extra food and it's all televised on their national TV. No, and the thing with Battle Royale is quite violent, but it's not a young adult film. It's an adult film and it's a technically a like well it's not really a horror film, but it's close. Yeah. Where obviously Hunger Games is aimed at teens. How have they curbed the violence? Because it's about people trying to kill each other, well, I assume. That was one of the things I thought was quite strange. It's a PG rated movie, but the main character's a teenage girl and there's other teenage kids and they don't hold back with the violence. Like on screen or Yeah, on screen. There's like Even a lot perceived. of blood there's a lot well both really and there's a couple of the other characters that are in the arena who are like younger children and there's you know probably 11 or 12 type age group and there's some pretty bad things happen to those too okay that's interesting but yeah i was i was quite surprised and my wife and i while we were watching it she was like well you know, if this is a PG movie, when our kids are older, we're going to have to start screening the films before we let them watch them. What did you watch when you were young? I was watching... Well, I don't really know what I was watching when I was like, not a preteen. <laughs> well, I think we established that I would have been 15, I think, in 1986, and I got to see Highlander at the cinema. And That's that was, about beheadings. Yeah, that was a pretty so... full-on movie, so maybe, I don't know. But then, speaking of violent movies... Uh, the night after we watched Hunger Games, we tried to watch Immortals. Which I loved. I would, yeah, I kind of was enjoying, but we got to the point where, spoiler here, uh, the uh, the traitor got his nuts crushed with a large sledgehammer and my wife's like, that's it, we're not watching any more of this movie. I don't care if Henry Cavill's in it, that's not enough to keep my interest. Sort of thing. But then uh, I went back and watched the rest of it by myself later on and actually quite enjoyed it. Now, I, I saw it at the cinema in 3D, so it was quite immersive and interesting, but I was caught up with a friend last week fresh and he hated it like 
angrily yelled at me for liking it so obviously it's not for everyone I I thought it was visually great but it's directed by Tarsum the um, director of The Fall and The Cell and And as beautiful as The Fall is it's it's dull it's a a long film take a half hour out and and you might have a much better film actually The Fall is a very dark film like it starts off and you think oh yeah this is just a happy story about a man reading a story to a child and she's like acting it out kind of Princess Bride sort of style but then as he falls deeper into his depression the story gets darker and darker and takes some pretty nasty turns mm. but I, but I really, visually it's amazing I really like The Fall mm. uh, The yeah, Cell I, visually again good yeah. Vince Vaughn in a yeah. serious acting role with J-Lo interesting yeah. but it's got some amazing visuals in it so it's a guy he's only done the three films but a lot of Pepsi commercials yeah. and things but like that Immortals had a lot of the same feel as 300 yes and yeah it the whole Greek mythology side of things kind of falls into that. You kind of expect that sort of 300 look. And a lot but, of the slow motion fight yeah, the, scenes. The fight scenes at the end were very reminiscent of like God of War and games like that. It was just like titans ripping people apart with like huge Which weaponry and stuff. Awesome. And yeah, I, I quite enjoyed it. And I'm glad I actually went back and watched the rest of it. Mickey yeah. Rourke was good as the main bad guy. Some of the other characters in it were kind of forgettable. Like, uh, was it William Hurt that was in it? I think he was in it as the old man. And he was pretty forgettable. Stephen Dorff was like one of the other That's characters. That's what he's doing now. But we were kind of talking about this off air that they went through a stage of those sort of 90s actors that are all kind of interchangeable. Like have Stephen Dorff, Stephen Dorff, Geet Ulrich, Balthazar Getty, yeah, Ethan Hawke to a point. They're, they're all kind of interchangeable, which, yeah, which is a bit of a shame. But yeah, I, I'd recommend Immortals. Maybe if you don't like Greek mythology or mindless violence, you probably wouldn't like it as much. But it was, it was fun enough. But if you can't wait for Man of Steel next year with Superman, you want to get a bit of see who's going to play Superman, that's him. Yeah. Well, Henry Cavill was a pretty good actor, and originally my wife was quite excited that we were going to watch a movie with Henry Cavill because she'd watched The Tudors and he was like a main character in that. But I've never seen that, so I didn't really know who Henry Cavill was. Mm. But yeah, that was that was fun. And then another movie that I recently watched that you yourself have also watched was Battleship, because when we decided that we weren't going to stick out Immortals, we decided we'd watch Battleship instead. And Battleship was probably half an hour, 40 minutes too long. Oh, definitely. <laughs> Basically, there's a romance that they have to throw in like, I don't know why because they want girls to go see these movies so they think they need a romance take that whole subplot out it was unnecessary and yeah just make a good action film don't try too hard just, yeah. just be it, surprisingly for a movie based on a game they did okay like it, it was expensive it looked fantastic like the special effects were top notch it had a lot of the Transformers sort of feel about it well it was like, produced by yeah. Michael Bay and yeah I mean the sound effects and everything it looked like a Transformers movie yeah, but it, was, it was silly in plot and everything but once it got moving it was great there was just the whole girlfriend subplot yeah, every time she turned up it stopped you didn't need Liam Neeson as much as I had to at say at all like, he was the, the admiral and also the father of the girl that the main Stay, character take was, that whole plot yeah. him out and as much as I love Liam take him out and even that first it. little bit at the start with their backstory you didn't get rid of it just, you could have just started saying they're on a military exercise and that's it. out in the ocean bang here you go and the pacing was good when the action's on the pacing was good because you don't have time to think about how stupid it is yeah. and it is but it's and fun stupid I kind of liked the way they tied it all into the old battleship game. Yeah, I thought that was funky. Yeah, the, it didn't, it's silly. All the radars went down and they had to graph it all out. That was kind of cool. 
like, cool. And, and there, was, there should have been an emotional moment at the end. I won't spoil it, but there's a bit where they sort of do a thing and they get a bit nostalgic. And it should have been a moment where I tear up because I tear up at those things. I like think you had to be an American. But it didn't It, it was didn't very work. American it was bad, patriotic. No, it was badly done. If it was done well, I would have been right. But I just don't think they did it as good as it could have been. And maybe maybe it's for the better because it would have been even cheesier if it if they did it even more. So to get me to cry would have been too cheesy maybe. So, yeah. But as far as a, a movie based on a board game, I think they actually did okay. Yeah. Except for they the did something subplot. right because as soon as it finished I went on the app store and downloaded like a, a battleship game for the iPad oh god you are the ultimate consumer yeah like I didn't download the official battleship game <laughs> I just downloaded some freebie fair enough yeah so, it's a shame that nowhere in the movie did someone go C4 you've sunk my battleship because I, I was hanging out for that such a waste Yes. yes. And yeah. speaking of Battleship, the main star of that was Taylor Kitsch. Mm-hmm. And then just this past weekend, I actually watched John Carter starring John Taylor Carter, Kitsch. that. About the truck driver, is it? No? I, don't, I don't know. It's strangely marketed John Carter. Well, this is what Disney, I don't know. They got embarrassed, I think. Like, they, when did, it, they didn't want to call it. It's a book. It's a hundred year old story. So it's an old science fiction story from a hundred years ago called John Carter and Mars. They've gone and spent a lot of money on this movie. Yeah. And they got, they panicked at the end and they go oh we can't put of Mars at the end because people won't go see it so they just called it John Carter which doesn't tell you anything no it's about a guy called John Carter it's a turn of the century civil war for you don't know well yeah, it is exactly. actually a civil war guy but you don't know what it is it could have been Thomas Crown like they you know, that crappy movie yeah so it, it, they they failed Disney they panicked and ended up shooting himself in the foot because it's actually a good film yep I really enjoyed it. And at first, when they had the whole sort of sci-fi out of space bit, I was like, all right, this is a space movie. And then it cuts back to Earth in Civil War times. And you're like, oh, maybe it's going to be a, a bit of a, a Western-type movie. And then it kind of ends up being a space Western almost. Mm. But yeah, it was well acted. is, because it is a 100-year-old story. Yeah, so. it was well acted. It was the effects were from really amazing. good. Like the, the CGI dog I thought was awesome. It was like one of the best characters. <laughs> Nicely fleshed out. The the alien race kind of reminded me of the people from those old odd world Abe's yes. type games. But yeah, it was it was fun. It was a, an enjoyable romp. Yeah, so I'd recommend it to people. It's it's a good film. It's just I think Disney didn't know what to do with it. Yeah. They spent all this money and then at the last minute panicked. I, th- I think the problem was as well, it got released here in Australia at least, I think a week or two weeks before The Avengers. And I think people kind of saw it and went, oh yeah, I'll just wait for The Avengers. Yeah, well, I think if they pushed it properly. Yeah, it's, it's a, a big, shame. rollicking science fiction adventure fun. People would have gone and seen it. And kind of the opposite of what we were saying with Battleship, it's probably a longer movie than Battleship, but it didn't feel long. No, well, and a lot going on. Yeah, it was a lot going on. Even though there was that whole romance sort of angle, it didn't feel that it was unnecessary. No, it was fine. Like he's just, he's oh, and this is a pretty basic story. You got the guy, then the interloper come in and falls in love with the princess and has to save and save the kingdom. It's a basic Joseph Campbell story. Yeah, but it's fine. It's it's fun and it's done well. I mean, it's, it's, they spent the money. You right. can tell they just yeah, except they except the marketing exactly. But the effects you couldn't fault the effects. No? And I'd recommend it. I thought it was a very good film. Check it out. Yeah. All right. Well, well let's keep moving. Punch your show. We'll, we'll talk about that in a moment. But other than that, Mitch, what, watching anything else? Uh, TV. Yeah. Yes, I'm uh, going on a bit of a Charlie Brooker kick at the moment, who's a English comedian yep. and TV writer. Like, he's very much a very critical comedian. Very funny. Very, oh, I can't think of the term. Satirical? Yes, definitely that. But just angry, almost. Mm. He wrote Dead Set a couple of years ago, which was a Big Brother slash zombie show. Okay. Which was five episodes long, and it was essentially Big Brother. The people filming Big Brother and a zombie apocalypse takes place in London while Big Brother's going on. 
So these people in the house have no idea what's going on outside of the house. Oh, okay. And then eventually gets into the TV studio and around and all that. Because well, the whole Big Brother thing is like you're inside with no news. Mm. And I remember the first series of Big Brother here in Australia was when September 11 happened. And it was kind of like, well, they had to tell them what was going on. Mm. It's interesting. Yeah, so um, that was an interesting take. So he did that. Uh, most He did a show a couple of years ago called How TV Ruined Your Life. Yep. which was quite funny because he showed real things that were done on television and how they use scare tactics and how they lie to you and this and that intertwined with fake stuff they filmed that looked real from the 60s and sometimes I had to Google to see what was real what wasn't. It was very okay. clever and very good. And then what he did last year, late last year, was a show called Black Mirror which is a bit like an English Twilight Zone in a way. It's an anthology series, only three episodes long. And the idea being this is 15 minutes in the future. So it's sort of not now, yeah. but it's not far from now. And the first one could be tomorrow, okay. the way it is. And it's just a nasty story. I'll give you the premise, I suppose. Basically, it starts off with the Prime Minister being woken up, saying this was on YouTube a half hour ago. And it's basically a princess. It's England, but it's a fictional queen and royalty and prime minister. But it's like, that's Princess Stephanie. She's been kidnapped. It's like, yeah, what's the demands? The demands that you are at 4pm this evening, you went to fuck a pig live on camera, streamed around the world. And it's like, what? And basically the ramifications that follow okay. those demands. And it's just like, okay, it's just, it's full on. And the morals and the this and politics yep. play and it's just like alright that's um, pretty heavy um, the next one episode is sort of like seeing where we're going with the connect oh, the Xbox okay. connect in a way I'm not gonna they're, they're worth watching they're interesting yeah. and just like where we're going now with the credits and the last one was probably the most disturbing for me and it's all about a set you know looks like now and this and that but everyone's got implants in their head which can record everything they see and you've got a little remote control that you can hold and you can re-watch it in your eyes or you can wirelessly put it on a TV screen and stuff well, like that that's pretty cool and they're self-contained stories yes. aren't they? so you don't really need to watch yeah so there's only three apps and no no water but definitely recommended and I was reading on the wiki that They've got a second season, which should hopefully come out next year, I think. Maybe oh, later. Because so. this originally came out last December last year. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the English aren't really in a hurry to do things generally when it comes no. to TV shows. They'll do something, maybe do a bit later and do three apps. But, you know, quality over quantity. So if they can, yeah, if it's this good again, I'll, I'll look forward to it. It's well, fun. That's good. And sticking with his theme, Charlie just had a new show come out a couple of weeks ago called A Touch of Cloth, which is like your Touch of Frosts, your all those British crime cop shows set okay. in the Midlands, Midsummer Murders. Yeah, it's that, but it's cheesy comedy. It's, okay, it's like the Flying High sort of comedy. Black Mirror is not really a comedy, is it? No, no, it's yeah, like I said, Twilight yeah. Zone is sort of not sort of hor horrific or broad thinking. Yeah. You know, science fiction, I suppose you'd call it more than anything. Yeah. Where this is not slapstick comedy, though there is a bit of slapstick in there, but it's like you're flying high. It's very okay. funny, piss take on those Midsummer Murders. But yeah, can recommend that as well. So Charlie okay. is my ma my go-to man at the moment. Really enjoying his stuff. Like well, him and Christopher cool. Morris are probably my two. Yeah. Well, they, Charlie was one of the writers on Brass Eyes. I, he, I don't know. Yeah, you know, so but, I think that's where the connection with Christopher Morris comes in. Ah, okay. Yeah, that was pretty good. And then, speaking of English comedies, we watched the first episode of the trip together not so long ago as well yeah I, I'd heard about one scene and then something else reminded me of that scene a couple of weeks ago I was like we really got to watch this and the trip is a British comedy show conceived by Steve Coogan and it's almost like a travelogue doco but it's yeah. not it's scripted but it feels like it's, it's he's filmed, playing himself and it's a mockumentary I guess yeah kind of it originally got released as a movie 
a few years ago now, I think 2010. And then the IFC channel in America have turned it into, is it a five-part I thought it was series? the other way around. I thought it was a series and they condensed it and released it as a film. Oh, okay, maybe it is. It's interesting concept where Steve Coogan's been asked to travel around country England and review some like little bed and breakfasts and restaurants and stuff like that. And he thinks of it as a junket where him and his girlfriend can spend a a bit of a holiday. And then his girlfriend has something else on, so he has to ask his friend to go with him instead. And he doesn't really like his friend. Well, we've only watched the first step, and just Steve Coogan's a very brave role for him because he's playing himself or a version of himself that we don't know the real Steve Coogan so he's grumpy he's a bit of a turd and he's invited this friend along to come and he treats him like shit and his friend's just enjoying and he's getting meals and he's just it's all about them talking yeah so the show is pretty much them just having conversations over food and I mean this first one and we won't ruin it because it's worth discovering on your own but it's I mean, the YouTube clip's enough just to watch them yeah. do it. But his friend likes to do impersonations, and Steve hates them. It's like, why do you do that? They're not it's even like, that good. And yeah, he question- you're, you're a 40 year old man. You don't need to be doing impressions of other actors. So it's, it's a very dry comedy. The, the conversations between each other are quite funny, but it's not laugh out loud funny. Yeah. But there are moments. And it, it was kind of like a modern take on With Nail and I, very much while we so. were watching it. Yeah, it looked and felt the same. The tone was almost there. Yeah, it, it got into a an impersonation off in yeah. this conversation, saying, this is how you do this person. It's like, that's not how you do it. This is how you do it. And they were both pretty much spot on with their impersonation. Of, uh, yes. So definitely... If, if you're not going to watch the whole show, look at the YouTube clip of that. We'll, we'll say it's Michael Caine. Yes. Just, just at least watch that one scene on YouTube because it was good. So we haven't continued on with the season yet, but I'm definitely interested. Yeah, I think we should. Now, speaking of YouTube and speaking of cooking shows, I've also got hooked on something now that is probably... I'm a bit late to the party, and I know a lot of other people have already jumped on board, and that's a little YouTube show called Epic Meal Time, which is a group of 20-something Canadians that decide to drink a lot and make bizarre concoctions... With bacon. Mainly out of bacon and fast food. Like, the first couple of episodes I watched, they've combined Mexican and Indian food together and made, like, butter chicken tortillas and stuff like that. But they just get drunk, they make epic food, and they drink it and eat it and carry on a little bit. Now, you were raving to me about this, and yeah. you showed me some last week, and I get it. I just have no interest in watching it. The yep. dudes look like douches. And they, they just take it to an extreme level, which I don't think need to be there. Like, I understand it's epic meal time, so it's epic. And what they do is they make a... All right, let's make an Indian... Uh, a Mexican samosa. So that's, that's a cool an idea enough as it is, but they have to go to a level where it's almost inedible. Yeah. Like, they can't just make a Mexican samosa. It's twice as big... Three times as hot, with and you can't even eat it because they they wrap the thing in bacon or something. Yeah, they, they just and they use bacon in pretty much everything, which I admire, and I think it's and some of the stuff I, they did do was pretty damn amazing. It's just they seem to go that one step too far, and maybe that's the success. Yeah, it's the fact that they are going that one step too well, far every time. I, I think it's the irony of it, the fact that it's not a cooking show, but the way they, the way it's filmed and the way they talk to the camera, it's as if it is a cooking show. Like the other episode I was watching the other day was. Speaking for the epic proportions of it, they made peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Mm-hmm. But they actually got bacon. A, they did. They got yeah. a loaf of bread and they hollowed it out inside. They put like a layer of almost a whole jar of peanut butter and then a jar of jelly. Then they put like a couple of layers of bacon and then you know they stacked it up a couple of times and then 
on top of that that they decided they were going to chuck it in a basket and deep fry it. But after they'd made the bread, they didn't realise that the basket they had was too small for the bread, so they couldn't fit in the fryer. But yeah, just little things like that. It, something about it just appeals to me. Uh, yeah, I just... And then appeal. at the bottom corner when they're going through the meal at the end, they have like a little fat and calorie count. Oh, that was... It's always like, you know, 700 grams of fat in one sandwich and stuff That's, like that. I mean, it's ridiculous. Like, it's, it's, it's funny enough, but yeah, it didn't appeal at all but I wasn't a jackass kind of guy yeah but they did do one thing which I was impressed with and they they did they weaved bacon yes they put down strips of bacon and then weaved bacon across the other way and had this weave and then oven cooked it for a bit and used it as a a wrap almost yeah genius absolute <laughs> genius it's like yeah, I do appreciate the overuse of bacon let's just tone it down a bit and I'm there for the party hmm. but yeah. I think they got their own TV show now or something yeah the I, strength think of their I think they've YouTube. been picked up I don't think it's network TV I think it's like revision 3 internet TV or something oh, okay. like that though but yeah they've been picked up and yeah they've got you know millions of views on YouTube so they're obviously doing something right and they say you know subscribe on YouTube and that'll give us more bacon money because <laughs> they do certainly use a lot of bacon yeah, and that's not necessarily a bad thing cool well that's enough TV I think yes well that probably is enough TV and that brings us to gaming gaming yeah, I have, we've been gaming we have been gaming there's been a quite a quiet winter over here in Australia of game like not a lot's been happening it's been the lead up to the AAA titles being released in heading into the American winter where obviously when all you guys in America game in summer you don't because the weather's nice so you go outside where we while you're doing nothing we're sitting here in winter with nothing to play Yes. except shitty old games which is what I've been doing and yeah. you've managed to actually finish a couple of your I, shitty old games I did even though they're shitty I, I started Hellboy 2 which I think I mentioned before we, yeah we talked about I that last time I finished month. Hellboy 2 oh, that's good mm -hmm. which wasn't that bad in the end it was like okay I, I did it it wasn't painful it was just sort of like not rewarding I suppose you sort of the game mechanics from the first hour are pretty much the same mechanics in the set in the last hour of the game except for when they do what bad games do and they just totally change <laughs> the game mechanics for a final boss it's like why have you changed everything why do I have to do this new thing that I never did before just to beat one boss it's yeah. just, and it's bad but and don't you just hate it when games do that they like throw something weird at you for the last level it's like 50 cent blood on the sand Mm. It's a third-person shooter, but yet the last level you have to play is a driving game. It's like a Halo. Halo, yeah. You have to drive to get out of the the spaceship. So you finished Hellboy. I finished Hellboy, and then and I wanted another quick game. So you thought, I'll give up on the uh, bad comic book tie-ins? No. No, I, okay. I'll get another one out of the way. But I went to the How Long to Beat website to see what was quick, and I had Iron Man 2 sitting there for a while. And that said three and a half hours. And that was appealing. And it probably took me about five. But I finished it in pretty much two sessions. Well, which was good. good because it was pretty bad. Like I've got Iron Man 1 and that was a better game. But it had that same problem of that last boss being totally new mechanics and annoying. Because yeah. you know that you beat them down to a health level to a point, And then they run away and their health recharges and you've got to do it three times. Yeah. And it gets hard. That's what they did in Iron Man. And that was a pain in the ass. And it's, I've not finished it because I got to the last boss. But Iron Man 2 three and a half hour game well okay. five for me but it was a bit dodgy it looked cheaper than the first one like some of the textures and that weren't as good so I think they didn't spend a lot on it but I'm glad I didn't pay full price because I would have been shitty if I paid full price and only got that much game out of it yeah. but, but it wasn't really a triple A title was it it was just a, a cheap movie tie -in. it was but I don't know if they charged full price when it came well, out I'm sure they did but speaking of triple A titles you are actually after Iron Man you moved on to a reputable game I did Comic related again, I finally started Arkham City, Batman Arkham City, and it's like, ah, oh, this is what real games feel like. <laughs> and yes, I mean, it's not just an average game, it is a very good game. Yeah. 
And it's Grand Theft Gotham. Like where Arkham Asylum was very focused in storyline and you went here for this mission here. Arkham City, most of you, if if you're interested, you've probably already played it, but it's Grand Theft Gotham. So you've got a city to play in and you've got a mission, so you go over here, but other missions sort of take place and you can do side missions while you're there and you're swinging from building to building and it's fun. But the mechanics are so good because you get to play Batman and it's none of this level up shit and it was the same in Arkham Asylum. You start off as Batman. Yeah. So you're already kick-ass. You just get more kick-ass as the game goes on. better gimmicks and stuff. Yeah. I mean, stupid things in games, and it's just bad game design, is like if you walk to an edge and push the joystick the wrong way, you fall off the edge. Now, real people don't just fall off edges for no reason. You know, so at least if you do that with Batman, he'll batter it. You know, he'll throw his little grappling hook and come back up and it's not a problem. Here's some minor inconvenience. Because Batman doesn't fucking fall off. Yes. Things like that is cool. I mean, that's good. So I'm enjoying it. I'm about 35% in, but that's on hold. Yes. You've been gaming? Yeah, well, I remember last month we were talking how I'd started playing Need for Speed Undercover. I finally finished that. Was it and rewarding? Then, yeah, it was... Did it have a weird boss at the end that you had well, to change it, game mechanics? No, well... It's a racing game. It, it was a racing game, but the final boss was basically a chase this person down and make them crash their car, which was fine. You do that a couple of times already in the game, so it was nothing new. But it, it was a nice rewarding end. It was a, a quick game for me, which was good. And then afterwards, I was thinking to myself, right, I'll find something quick to play and I'll pace myself for, for the rest of the month. Only at that stage, I managed to come across a very good deal on online on Catch of the Day, which is a website here in Australia that does lots of specials specials and dodgy deals, but some of the stuff they sell is pretty crap, some of the stuff is pretty good, but they did have a gaming sale not so long ago where they were selling a lot of second-hand games quite cheaply, and I managed to pick up four games, which was Dead Space 2, Nia, which is a role-playing game, Bulletstorm, and Splinter Cell Conviction, all for the sum of $45, including postage. And I thought, yeah, this is a pretty good deal. Secondhand games, it's our bread and butter. Only when I got them, most of them were secondhand, but Bulletstorm was actually brand new and still had all the online codes ready to use. So I jumped into Bulletstorm, and I've actually played that and finished it, which was quite a quick game. And? It was... It was enjoyable. It was a first-person shooter. It's very much Unreal Engine. You can tell that the guys behind Gears of War have had a lot to do with it. It's it's almost a first-person Gears of War. Okay. But the weaponry in it is kind of different. You have, like, gimmicky weapons, and you have, like, an electronic sort of laser tether where you can grab your enemies and pull them towards you so you can shoot them easier than trying to shoot them from a distance. And it gives you skill points for the way you kill them, and you then trade those skill points in for upgrades on your weapons and buying ammo and stuff like that so it was different enough to keep me interested but it was also quick enough to get through it quickly and move on so i was quite happy with that i did really like the sniper rifle in it because the sniper rifle once you shoot the sniper rifle you can then steer the bullet with your thumbsticks so you can you know your enemy will jump out of the way when he hears the shot but you can kind of follow him with a bullet and you can almost shoot around corners with it which was kind of cool nice. but yeah it was quick enough and i guess we probably should stop teasing and talk about why we are wanting to have quick games and a quick podcast this week because we've broken our rule of buying games new yes borderlands 2 got released last week and we jumped on board a bit late as in it arrived yesterday yes and we want to play <laughs> we originally decided that we would hold off a little bit and get borderlands probably closer to christmas when it might have had a little price drop 
And then we thought, fuck it. <laughs> yeah. And then we got too excited and realised that we should definitely be going out and buying it. And then we had a little bit of a drama with the pre-orders because the pre-order came with additional DLC, which was some extra guns and a pass to download another character class when that comes out later in the year. And I thought, great, I'll go and pre-order it at JB Hi-Fi. They have pretty good deals. Initially, they'd advertised it as being $89 and then closer to release, they decided it was going to be $69. And that, for me, was a bit too much to go overlook so i trucked on down to jb hi-fi only i think all of melbourne probably did that already and they'd all, all sold out of the pre-order dlc so i thought all right i'll jump online and i'll see about if there's a better deal and we ended up buying them through play asia which was a little bit cheaper the only problem was we then had to wait for postage once it got released so all of our friends here in melbourne had already started playing it and you know overseas people you see on your friends list on the xbox had already started playing it before we had a chance but we finally got it yesterday i've played probably about two hours so far i played about an hour and we're both in love with it again and we can't wait to get well, back I don't to pandora know. It's too soon but yes i'll be playing well, it right I'm now but i'm recording this for you people so yes people. on that note we are going to wrap up this podcast a little bit quicker than we normally would but in the near future probably about two or three weeks time we're going to have a special borderlands review issue episode how much it sucks and what we were waiting for oh yeah. my god and that way, the people that listen to the show that aren't really interested in Borderlands don't have to listen to that one. But I'd suggest listen to it anyway, because it's probably going to be good. And, yeah, we'll probably sign off right about now and go and play a bit of Borderlands. So, Sweetness. Yeah. Just quickly, though, before we do finalise the show this month, we finally, again, succumbed to a bit of peer pressure. And we now have a Facebook page. So you can go to facebook.com, The Massive Attack Podcast and come and become a fan of the Massive Attack podcast online on Facebook. We will be Let's posting... Let's get the community going. Exactly. We've, we've got a few likes already. You can and... come in and unlike me for playing Hellboy and things like that. Tell me how much of an idiot I am and I should jump into other games, please. We want an open discussion. Yeah, and I must say, the fact that we're now on Facebook has been a bit of a boon for some of our feedback. I know I have a friend, Nick, who's now in the States that I haven't seen since pretty much I was in high school and he actually got back in contact with me through Facebook through our fan page so uh, it was a nice blast from the past there so Nick if you're listening heads up to you thank you for that and yeah I guess that brings us up to just our normal feedback rate us and review us on iTunes but definitely become a fan on Facebook and we'll uh, we'll be posting little tidbits on our Facebook page every now and then too. and if you are not in Australia and you've given us reviews on, 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 on iTunes we probably haven't seen it because iTunes does this thing of being local yeah, so we, we so, tend to look at the American and the Australian iTunes. So if you're in English. Chile and you've given us some feedback, please let us know via the Facebook, Facebook page and we will go look for you. But yes. Righty, well, thanks for listening and we're going to jump into Pandora and Borderlands 2 and we'll see you in a little while. Uh, uh. I gotta go, gotta go Before I do something stupid if you have any feedback for the show, you can reach us on Twitter at VMA Podcast, or you can send us an email to vmapodcast at gmail.com. Look for us on iTunes as the Massive Attack Podcast, or look at our website, which is vmapodcast.podbean.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next episode. Please don't suck. Please don't suck.